This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, Alice Pod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parking or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a good shot! Oh, 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 Hello Dan, I have an exclusive for you. Oh, go on. Jody Morris is set to be appointed Swindon Town manager. What? Not David Artau? Not David Artau. Has this had has this had any airtime? Have people been talking no. about this? Nothing at all. Christ. Nothing at all. Oh, we have found our millionaire match. We've oh, Dan, don't ruin this for me. <laughs> I'm sure he is a millionaire. Might be, might be. But we will almost certainly put a bonus pod out for deadline day and we'll talk about Jody Morris because we don't know how long his contract is and we don't know what his squad is going to be fully just yet. So we'll we'll do another pod in the week for Jody Morris and deadline day. But we'll dedicate this one mostly to what was quite the do at the county ground this weekend. Wasn't it just topsy turvy, brilliant League Two advert for football, etc.? Yeah, I I don't know if I fully agree with that latter point, and <laughs> I know a lot of people have said it was a great game, and there were moments in the the game I was absolutely entertained, but there was a huge gap I think um, where things were just normal League Two stuff. But we'll, we'll get to that. Firstly, how are you, Danny? You okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm grand. I'm grand. I'm pleased to be uh, sat here talking about football. Very pleased to be back inside the county ground as well, actually. Due to an unfortunate birthday faux pas, I found myself in London when Swindon spanked Grimsby 5-0. So uh, my my last trip to the county ground was uh, the the Boxing Day defeat against Warsaw. So I was itching to get back in there. So was my little lad. And um, yeah. So yeah, on the one hand, pleased to see lots of goals, a bit of jeopardy, and of course... uh, the fabled comeback and that. Good to see Austin score with my own eyes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. And yes, this time I made it to the game too. My first game since I think Wimbledon. Blimey. I think that was before. That's June, isn't it? Wimbledon. Wimbledon. <laughs> hey. You're the worst. <laughs> so it's good to be back and even better on the train front. It was non-stop to Swindon from Bristol Temple Meads and on the way home too. Lovely. Terrific. Your own police escort in and out of Swindon, mate. Love it. About time there was no police outside Swindon station when I arrived about one o'clock 
and the very young average age of uh, of Ginningham fans must have been about 1920. They were just getting a little rowdy outside the two pubs in good spirits, I will say. Mm-hmm. There was no peril there. But as I stepped out in my red and white scarf and no police around, despite them providing about 50 when Newport come to town, <laughs> I just stepped out, see a few turn their heads at me, and I was just like, well, this is how it ends. <laughs> oh, well. Well, at least it would end in Swindon and not Gillingham, which is a horrid place. Yeah. Oh, dearie me. Okay, well, I, I made it through that little huddle of, of Gillingham fans, no problem, who, by the way, didn't do anything other than a, a, a anti-Swindon song, which is perfectly fine. They were having a good away day from what I could see. But let's talk about this game and not really much to talk about, is there? Uh, we'll, we'll start with the lineup. Sol Brin was in goal. Kieran Brennan, Fraser, Fake Tracy and Ellis Iandolo were at the back. Then you had Hutton and Lavinia in the wings, Saidu Khan in the old Reed roll. And then you had sort of Johnny Williams, Jacob Wakeling and Luke Jeffcott just behind Charlie Austin, captain Charlie yes. Austin up front. So his, his quest for Swindon domination has now been upgraded to from Marquis centre-forward to now captain Marquis <laughs> centre-forward. He'll be caretaker manager in the next few months if it all goes wrong, <laughs> would you? Well, this will happen when you uh, you sell the vice-captain to Crawley and you're trying to bomb out the actual club captain. So uh, oh, there we go. Dear. No, we'll talk about that um, once we cover this game. So what I want to do, because I don't really talk formation enough on this podcast because I'm rubbish at it, but... We, we have to discuss it, but we're going to talk about the goal first because we scored after 57 seconds. Johnny Williams, talk me through it. Yeah, well, uh, you know, kickoff happened. Swindon knocked it around the back. Um, the rather familiar route by uh, Romeo Hutton at the right wing. Um, yeah, just a very simple goal, really. Right wing cross. Austin had peeled off to the back post. Um, didn't actually win the header, but sort of... His presence probably aided in the Gillingham player heading it back across goal a bit awkwardly. And uh, there was the unmarked Welsh international Johnny Williams to score his eighth goal of the season and probably one of his better ones too. Mm. Top scorer Johnny Williams yes. still clinging in there. Still got a little bit of daylight between him, <laughs> Jeff Gott and the and the rapidly approaching Charlie Austin already. Yeah, it, it was, Gillingham hadn't conceded in two games before that. And they're defending at that point, and it's a bit rich of me to talk about defending, as we'll discuss in, in just a few moments, but that was almost like a flashback probably to the, the season before the billionaire money kicked in because, well, Johnny was left in acres to, to volley home. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't the truest connection. It was kind of... It's like a side foot, Yeah, wasn't it? just um, in off the post, lovely jubbly. You're thinking this is the um, you know, perspective... Jody Morris era, off to an absolute flyer, still doing the high five, still sort of congratulating each other in the stands and talking about who crossed it and who did what. And then here came Gillingham. <laughs> okay. So so this is where we talk about Swindon's setup, really, because the equaliser, the defending is is something else and not in a good way. <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. And it's a really interesting game, isn't it? Because because of the situation we're in, where we know there's a new head coach coming very, very soon, you can't really direct much anger anywhere, can you? You kind of just <laughs> got to take this one on the chin and just wait to see what Jody Morris brings to Swindon Town. But it, it was an insane 10 minutes or so for Swindon, which started with a very quick equaliser from Dieng, who I seem to remember broke our hearts playing for Exeter last season. He certainly did. That was a February home game, wasn't it? A couple of late goals from Exeter. Um, that one was from a, a bit further out, if memory serves. Um, but yeah, this this goal was well, badly, badly easy from a Swindon point of view. Um, sort of Gillingham right winger getting to the byline unopposed. Uh, a bit further up the pitch, something had gone wrong for Swindon, clearly. Um, and then as the, the dinked cross came in, you saw what would be the feature of probably the, the first half hour of this match where the three Swindon centre-halves, which contained a sort of 
left back comes centre midfielder playing at left centre half. Um, the gaps between them were, were kind of scarily big the whole time we were playing with that back three. And you see how an on-rushing Gillingham midfielder could just waltz in, nod it into the back of the net past Bryn. Um, where was the sort of tracking Swindon midfielder? But, you know, we were only really playing with Khan as a anyone who sort of resembled a, a centre midfielder. So there's quite a lot on his plate. You know, that new formation at the back clearly hadn't settled. Big gaps between the centre-halves. Blake Tracy trying to cover most of the middle of the goal. He'd sort of gone with his man and that left the on-rushing Dieng to just have the simplest task of nodding in a, yeah, a, a mess. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, and it got worse for Swindon. And this is funny, really, because Gillingham are awarded a penalty. From where I was sat in the Don Rogers and the person next to me completely agreed, it looked like a stone wall handball. <laughs> and I was just like, I don't know what the town end are on about. It, it is and, you know, it was a penalty. And then you see the highlights. I think at halftime, the fan next to me was just like, oh, I've seen the video. It hit his face. And I was like, really? Well, there we go. Baffling decision based on where I am. I'm miles away. I, I'll, I'll give myself less of a hard time. But how he he gave that from where he was stood, oh, never a penalty. Well, no, but funny enough, watching it live, I was with you. Um, I was convinced the ball had struck his arm. And Blake Tracy did have his arm kind of up around the head region. Um, let's put it that way, you know. And that is, whilst people will say it's unnatural, it is completely natural when you're going to block a fierce shot that you do use your arms for balance and sort of head protection. Um, and as it was, um, the referee should have been calling on the physio to treat Blake Tracy for a head injury. But um, yeah, at the time I wasn't outraged because um, you could kind of see why the ref Gevitt had it have hit his arm. Um, and his interpretation of the rules in the second half when he evened things up and gave Swindon a penalty, you know, at least he was consistent. But no, poor Blake Tracy. That was, um, well, A, his face was hurting. B, he's just considered a penalty. And C, the uh, the protest fell on deaf ears. Well, it was, uh, it was Will Wright that tucked it away, sending Bryn the wrong way. And... This is one of the reasons why this game is so satisfying because we equalise later. It's because they're beginning to get a bit chippy, the uh, the Ginningham players, as they go off celebrating mm-hmm. in front of the uh, Swindon fans, which is always very satisfying when things do turn around. And then just four minutes later, it's 3-1. A free kick floated in. Touch from Tom Nichols, former trialist at Swindon. I thought he was going to sign at one stage. He was with us. He went on that Manchester pre-season, didn't he? Up, he up north did, with Richie yeah. Wellens. And it looked like he was going to be a, a town player for a little bit, but it didn't happen. And he scored with that with that little flick. And there was no anarchy in the in the Swindon stands. Again, what can you do? You can you can't bemoan the the management. You you it, 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 we just I don't know if we were shell shocked, but I think this is probably the moment where we start talking about the formation. I think Terry put it best. That opening sort of 20, 30 minutes formation could be best described as three Khan, everyone else, <laughs> uh, because it was an absolute mess. Uh, yeah, bang on. So just to cover the goal, you, you said there was no anarchy in the stands. Um, at my end of the Don Rogers, I'm convinced, having been looking across the line, that at the point the ball was delivered, there was at least three or four blue shirts ahead of the red ones. But what I can't tell, and I, I, again, tried to discern this from looking at the replays, is whether Tom Nichols was one of them. But no, I think Swindon had a reasonable shout for offside there. Um, you know, is the linesman and then good? did you go crazy at the <laughs> linesman at that point? Were you the anarchy? No. Um, I was in the shell shock camp thinking, <laughs> Christ, this, these blokes, Gillingham, have scored about 15 goals. In 32 games this year, <laughs> and we've managed to concede three in 13 minutes. It's just the most Swindon Town thing we could possibly do, just to give us that uh, mountain to climb for the rest of the game. But 
No, I mean, yeah, formations, free Khan, everyone else is pretty accurate on what I saw in the first. I reckon it was 31 minutes when they went to the back four. Um, my friend and I kind of spotted the spotted the change with Eindelow pushing up in the midfield next to Khan and Swindon reverting to the back four. But it was just a kind of, yeah, I mean, I, I will stick to this. I think Gav Gunning, probably without the pressures of regular management and having seen a similar formation work very well against 10 men of Grimsby, which can pull you into a false sense of security given you know, the, the level of the opposition and the fact they were a man down. Yeah, I think Gunning's tried to be a bit clever in that first half hour. Um don't know, maybe a bit too modern because from what I could see from my untrained eye, you had Khan completely isolated at the base of midfield. And whenever the ball turned over, he was completely overrun, swamped by the sort of on-rushing, counter-attacking Gillingham players. Um, you also had Lavinier and Hutton playing you know, nearly as right and left wingers in this formation, which sort of allowed uh, Jeff Cart, Hutton and Williams in their little trio to be quite narrow. And, you know, you can't help but think they all kind of got in each other's way a bit in that first half hour. I think maybe the intention was for it to be fluid and, like, hard to read and dynamic, but it was a, it was a bit of a bugger's muddle, frankly. Um, but, yeah, the fact that the both wing-backs were so pushed on actually left your outside centre-halves exposed um, when we lost the ball. Brennan, there was a similar game against um, Salford back in August where, and to his credit, I think he was still concussed on that game, or he certainly looked at it anyway, where Brandon Thomas Asante pulled out onto him every single time and really rinsed him in that 45 minutes. And again, I think on the right of a free, Brennan does look exposed. Um, and then on the other side, you've obviously got, you know, part-time left-back come centre midfielder Ellis Iandolo being asked to do what is not a totally unfamiliar role. You'll recall during the John Sheridan season, there was a, a little run of wins. I think we beat Bristol Rovers and Fleetwood with Anthony Grant playing sweeper, Ellis Iandolo and God, who would have been the other centre-half then? Anyway, it's irrelevant, but, you know, He's had a few games there, um, but, you know, just trying to be a bit cute, a bit clever, and it gave a buoyant Gillingham with a very obvious threat in Ollie Hawkins uh, up front. Absolute mammoth of a target man. I much prefer him as the sort of slow battleship turning circle centre-half that we saw at Mansfield back in October, where, frankly, Swindon ran rings round him. But, you know, his performance yesterday, you think, why on earth weren't Mansfield using him as a as a centre forward? He is a massive handful. And only Blake Tracy really stood a chance in the air. And he probably still lost 80% of the aerial duels with Hawkins. Um, but Hawkins was smart, kept pulling out onto Iandolo, pulling out onto Brennan. The, the Gillingham long balls, um, even if Swindon could make a bit of a first contact. You only really had Khan in there to do the mopping up. So in many ways, it was unbalanced. It left us very exposed. And thankfully, we did see a, a tactical change. I make it on about 31 minutes. We went to the back four just in time. Things did simmer, didn't they? Because yeah. were their fans were chanting, we want four, you know, which would be greedy. I mean, they, they scored 21.43% of their goals this season, <laughs> yes, this, this weekend, because they scored 14. So How swindling. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, it was a weird fixture, wasn't it? Because Ginningham, although well down there, They've changed their squad. They didn't play like a team that were down there, but they showed those gaps, you know, that they haven't quite filled yet. Mm-hmm. But they won't be down there at the end of the season. Um, probably too late for a surge, but... You're very right. It was a ri- it was an awkward fixture for Swindon. Possibly slightly mitigated against the backdrop of, 
you know, everyone being excited about Jodie Morris being in the ground. And Was he there, was he? Well, I saw a video of him walking in. <laughs> Maybe he's just a Swindon fan. Who knows? Um... Part of the West London Reds. Um, <laughs> but uh, And you also had, you know, Gavin Gunn in, in his last game as caretaker. Maybe he saw it as a bit more of a, you know, sort of pressure off, free hit kind of thing. I'm going to try and be a bit clever. But yeah, I mean, Gillingham are going to take plenty of points off our playoff rivals is the good news, I think. Because whilst stylistically they're not very 21st century, what they have got in Hawkins um, and some of the supporting cast behind him, you know, they're going to give a few teams problems. Um, and that can be to our benefit now. We've played them twice. Oh, and it's nicer when there's away fans in the ground, isn't it? It's definitely a better yeah. experience when when there's an actual away end full of people. If that's elitist, well, that's elitist. It's just better <laughs> than 20 people on a drum. So they were having a great old time. And for the rest of the half, it, there was, I don't remember much really in terms of peril or Swindon coming close to I'll give you a to couple doing of anything please do a couple of old school Austin moments um, right wing corner Austin made a, a good run across the front post his header sort of flick header beat the keeper but not the man on the line which um, you know would have been a handy goal just before half time to make it 2-3 uh, and um, so, uh, another sort of um, old school Austin move from sort of 12 years ago where he sort of peeled off at the back post, chested it and in one motion attempted a volley but did not make a, a good connection. It sort of dribbled wide. But just a couple of reminders of, you know, the man's movement and, and quality, which, you know, we would uh, see turn into uh, into goals in the second half. Yeah, the big thing that I noticed what people were saying around me was very much like, Except for one moment, his touch is is so much better than it was when he was at Swindon. You know, he's had that that Premier League yeah. uh, time, and 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 also just those little elbows that he that he gets in when he's when he's scurrying around the box trying to make space. You know, that that aggression. It's something that we were really missing before he arrived. That that nastiness, that ability to just get in the face of the of the defense without you know it being you know swearing or like fighting just like make them feel uneasy and that was clear throughout oh absolutely and just to be clear he's he's not a target man never has been but he is good in the air and like you say he's very combative was whilst he was at Swindon and has been his whole career in your face you know for a guy who's not quick um he is a nuisance. So, yeah, you're, you're sort of seeing the the more polished, intelligent Austin now, I suppose, with all of those hundreds of games and hundreds of goals behind him. So, you know, what an asset to have in the second half of the season. Um, the other thing to remark on Austin, of course, is you know, obviously as the game played out and Swindon were desperately trying to get back into the game for a draw or, you know, nearly win, as it turned out, you know, Austin played a good, what, 104 minutes there or something like that, Um, which given he played 68 or 70 minutes against Grimsby and hadn't played a game in Australia since I think it was the 29th of December before that, it was a real good test of his fitness. And, um, well, judging by his his Twitter post, he was out that evening for a meal. So he's obviously pulled up okay. (laughs) Well, yeah, indeed. I mean... We'll talk about like, the general condition of the team at full time yeah. closer closer to that because certainly glad there isn't a midweek game. That's for but yeah, sure. there are younger players, probably oh, more yeah. naturally fit players who were absolutely on their ass at the end of that yeah. game. And Austin was still heading balls away at the near post from long throws and you know galloping up the left wing to try and close people down. It's great to see. Yeah, but there was this element throughout where it just felt like Austin's got the the freedom of Swindon because he was everywhere both in a good way but sometimes in a quite frustrating way because you want him to be closer in in the box ready to you know take on whatever's there and he's the person that's that's sort of like on the byline that was something that was wrong yesterday for me about about the formation and the way we were going that he was just so busy where if he just focused on on the centre forward role then then he would have inevitably 
had more opportunities because he was quite quiet in, in, in large spells too. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's still a striker. So a lot depends on service, naturally. Um, he referenced it post-Grimsby, if you heard some of his interviews post-Grimsby, where he talked about when he gets tired in games, he sort of, consciously or not, finds himself drifting out to the left. And I think you did see that in the second half uh, against Gillingham yesterday. The other thing I want to say, so, you know, people talk about leadership and obviously he got given the captain's armband and typically captains are normally at centre-half or centre-mid, but the sort of leadership qualities that Austin showed yesterday were very much uh, in the things we've already spoke about. Work rate, uh, getting in their face, sort of really leading from the front and just being a nuisance and, you know, outshining some of his younger colleagues in terms of fitness and desire. So, yeah, hopefully if he can drag uh, a few of the younger ones with him in terms of professionalism and, and attitude, then he's going to be a brilliant, brilliant addition to have around the squad. It's going to potentially be a very exciting tail end of the season. It's, it's going to be an exciting 48 hours. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. So the first half ends and Ginningham fans are cheering their players off the pitch and Swindon are, are sort of jogging to the changing rooms where a grilling you know, <laughs> might be just about to take place. Who knows? Um, they come back out. And there's a triple change, isn't there? So Shade comes on, as does debutant Jake Kane. And Rashan Hepburn-Murphy comes on. And, and leaving the pitch was Ellis Iandolo, Johnny Williams and Luke Jeffcott. I feel sorry for Jeffcott a lot. Me too. Yeah. In terms of team structure, I found the way we utilised him quite odd. You know, if you're going to play him in that free behind Austin I think he has to be the central one behind Austin even if Williams and Wakelin are are then going to be fluid because there were two or three occasions and you would have had a good view of this where you're sat rich where Jeffcott found himself on the right and you know looked like a duck out of water frankly um sort of tame crosses um just no nothing convincing about him whereas as we know, he's a sniffer, he's a finisher. Um, so he wants the spot where Austin is, basically. Um, and if we are going to play this 4-2-3-1, which I hope we do, because I think let's let's just put 3-1-6 to bed for a week or two, um, then maybe Jeff Cott's going to have to settle for, you know, last 20 minutes replacing Austin or, um, you know, maybe starting the Tuesday night game if Austin has a rest. Um, or, you know, as happens, you know, there might be injuries. But, yeah, that is the challenge for Jody Morris. You know, you've got here a 22-year-old with a lot of games and a lot of goals behind him already, many of them at a level higher. And good coaches, you know, don't just write people off. They will work to make people better and they will try and bring that, you know, those good qualities out of players in the squad. Because, um you know, Morris has got what a day <laughs> to shape <laughs> to shape this squad. Uh, working with Sandra Jimakeli, so he is going to have to eke out every last drop of the players that are already in the squad. And you know, maybe new manager, fresh start is exactly what Jeff got needs at Swindon Town because you know, with 19 games to go and Austin being 33, you know, I suspect there probably will be a, a period where Austin's injured. Or, you know, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday comes and, you know, Jeff Cott will be needed. And when he gets that chance, you know, he does need to snap snap the hand off and, and take that chance. He really does. I'm backing him. Good. Let's, let's hope he does well. I mean, he's here to the end of the season. So let's, let's get behind the guy. I think what was most apparent when the second half started was there must have been some sort of request for us to just shoot <laughs> because because there were a couple of chances very early in the second half where they hit it. Uh, which was which was good. Oh, yeah. Showed a little bit of winning, and I, I think also, and this is probably apparent from about the thirty-first minute, as you as you reference, Gillingham stopped chasing for the fourth goal, and it felt like Neil Harris got this wrong, um, which is great that they <laughs> were looking to protect the lead as opposed to chasing 
further strikes, you know. So, you know, when when you've scored 11 goals all season before the game and now suddenly you're on 14, maybe, you know, it's understandable. But at home, with the sort of attacking threat that we have, because Hutton was finding a lot of freedom, Lavinia was doing mm-hmm. his thing, we've got Charlie Austin up front. I, I don't think necessarily sitting back and hoping for the best is the way to go. No. But how did we set up in the second half? Thankfully, it was a, a continuation of the the kind of four two three one shape that we played with in the last fifteen minutes of the first half. And just to counter something you said there, it's about Gillingham sitting off. I think it was more that the formation change, having that extra central midfielder. And having only two centre-halves up against Hawking rather than three just simplified things and helped Swindon get a bit of control on the game. Um, so that probably was a large factor in Gillingham's threat declining. Um, but, you know, there's probably definitely an element of, you know, we're second bottom, we're free one up. Human nature is to hold on to what you've got rather than, you know, gamble and go and get go and get that fourth. So probably... A mixture of Swindon improving quite heavily and, and Gillingham, you know, realising is a long way to go in this game. But yeah, start of the second half, we obviously had Jake Kane, uh, very impressive debut, came on and played sort of left central midfield uh, next to Khan. Uh, Lavinia and Hutton reverted to sort of being regular fullbacks, albeit still marauding. Uh, you had uh, Shade uh, on the wing, Hepburn Murphy on the other wing. Sort of uh, Wakelin playing just behind, just behind Austin uh, as the half started. So yeah, you've already referenced it there. You know, they'd had a bit of a rocket. They came out. Khan sort of took it upon himself uh, to shoot from distance on his wrong foot. Uh, one hit the target, which you know, comfortable save, but a really good effort. And another sort of hit the town end roof. But yeah, it, it was clear. You know, Swindon were attacking that half. Uh, the changes. Get things a nice little spruce up. Uh, I, I do wonder if the Williams one is an injury. That's the only one that felt a little bit odd. Uh, you know, Jeff got had been fairly ineffectual playing out of position. Iandolo, you know, was sold a bit of a kipper, really, being asked to play left centre half. So it wasn't a big surprise he came off. You hearing anything on a, a Williams knock or niggle, Rich? I saw light limping at full time, but given, and we'll, again, I say it a lot, don't I? We'll get to it. But when you see Iandolo and Williams linked with possible exits and they're going off at half time, it just makes me a little bit worried. <laughs> but he didn't seem to be walking comfortably on the pitch at full time. So maybe that's that's the reason. If I could share a little anecdote at this point, Rich, whilst we're, on, Gosh, I hope. whilst we're on Ellis Iandolo. Um, this is true. Uh, I was down the front with my five-year-old child who I need to set the example for in life. Um, and we were watching the Sunderland players warm up. And Ellis Andalo and Ronan Darcy were sort of one, well, basically next to each other doing the drills. And so I said, oh, Ellis, Crawley's a shithole. <laughs> <laughs> and like he, he tried to keep such a stern face, bless him, but him and Darcy giggling away. Um, a sort of bit of a rueful, rueful laugh. I, I really hope he doesn't leave. I am getting to a serious point here, and I hope my son didn't hear me swear. Um, he was probably too busy eating the Malwam sweets. But yeah, to, to lose one club man in Gladwin you know, with 150-odd appearances and been at the club a long time, it would be a real kick in my gut as a fan to then lose another club man. Regardless of what you think about his merits as a, as a footballer. You know, we have so few stalwarts. I want a stalwart or two at my club. Just, you know, someone who gets the club, someone who's been around a long time, seen 15 managers. And yeah, I, I hope he doesn't go because he, he is a really useful squad player, can play in a couple of positions. Ironically, we didn't play him in either of them. <laughs> <laughs> from the from the start, but um, yeah. nah, let's see what the next forty eight hours brings. Eh? He's, he's been at the club so long, you have expect to find him on Facebook Marketplace, don't you? He's, well, yeah, I mean, he, you think back, he was there when Lindsay was in charge of the eighteens back in two thousand fourteen fifteen. So you know, we're getting on like testimonial year nearly. I mean, don't 
snatch the testimonial one, away contract. from me. Yeah, he's, he's one contract away from a testimonial, isn't he, pretty much? And who was our last? Fraser Digby? Yeah, must be. So, I mean, that's... I mean, again, regardless what you think of him as a footballer, and I think he's useful, you know, that would be a lovely, lovely little landmark to bring up. It would. But there we go. I'm, I'm a gushy, sentimental type. Yes, you are. So, Swindon pull one back... Early into the second half, courtesy of a penalty, a handball. Was it Was it Will Wright that handballed it? Yeah. Nothing he could do. Ridiculous decision. Referee absolutely elated that it happened <laughs> because he had no hesitation, did he, uh, Paul Howard, to point to the spot and breathe a huge sigh of relief because Mad Gav was getting grumpy. <laughs> well, as Mad Gav put it, it was another rascal decision. Yeah, I, I don't like the way the handball rules go in uh, for penalties. Um, call me old school. Old school. You, you just give neither of them, you know, on the proviso that it had of hit Blake Tracy's hand, which it didn't, as we know. Um, but yeah, you give neither, or as happened, the ref dug himself a hole and had to give both. Um, but I mean, what's the defender supposed to do? You've had it blasted at you from a yard. I mean, if there, if there was five, six yards between, I could just about stomach that. You know, your arms flailing. But, you know, and all this stuff in the rule of the rules about natural positions. And now, come on, anyone who's ever played sport, arms are very important for balance. You know, human nature is to protect uh, the important bits. Yeah. There's a lot of penalties going to get given if, if that's the interpretation, put it that way. And if there's 500, 1,000. Also, Swindon fans that are here for the Austin hype train. Well, this is the moment. Here we go. The moments that they're they're going for because he puts it away. It's not quite Steve Finney against Crew in 1995, which didn't hit the net <laughs> and or oh, was so so close. What a game that was! I was there. I remember that. Morris got most of his body to it, but it just squirmed over the line, which was lovely. And then it was that textbook sort of try and get the ball and rush. <laughs> uh, but then then Austin shows his sort of. More mature side with just like, okay, I'm sorry, I'm just going to help you get out. Nice. That was a nice moment. (laughs) (laughs) Whilst it wasn't a great penalty, the one thing you can congratulate Austin on is that he did stick his laces through it, which is why it did squirm over the line. Um, And actually, I was having this chat with someone else. I I don't remember Charlie being a good penalty taker whilst he was at Swindon Town. Um, I know he scored in the shootout at Charlton. You know, it was when he when his went in, you could see he was like, <laughs> but I remember. Uh, I think was it in his last Swindon game before he moved to Burnley, he missed a penalty, which was the anniversary. This game was the anniversary, was it of that, wasn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. the first step on the redemption arc, which will lead to him scoring the winner at Wembley in May. Um, but yeah, no fair play. You know, you always want your number nine having that confidence to grab the ball, take the penalties. And um, yeah, he's certainly not shy of confidence anyway. Yeah, 12th anniversary of his exit and he gets himself a goal. Brilliant. Goal 40 for Swindon Town. Didn't feel like we were being particularly aggressive to get the goal. It was all Swindon. We had all the ball. The the stats show that. It was 70 plus percent at the end of the game, wasn't it? The overall Mm -hmm. um, possession. But we weren't bombarding Glenn Morris, but we were very calm on the ball, which was good to see. Yeah, well, I think after it went uh, 3-2, there was three or four minutes of adrenaline. The crowd were up. Uh, but you're right, there, there then started uh, a bit of a lull. Um, there then started a bit of a lull period. I think Gillingham will argue they were kind of managing the game quite well. I think Swindon will argue they were keeping the ball well and, and being patient. But yeah, I mean, without really banging down the door, I don't think goal three was particularly coming when it did come. Um, and a lot of the credit is owed to Fraser Blake Tracy, who showed some of his passing range. It's one of the few times we attempted a ball over the top for Hepburn Murphy. And it was you know, pretty inch perfect, put Hepburn Murphy away down the left. Um I was bemoaning the fact he hadn't bombed on and gone on the outside, but little did I know he was about to curl in. Beautiful, beautiful cross. You know, if if you were asking Charlie Austin, where do you want it, son? And how what how much pace do you want on it? I mean, it's just perfect. 
Well done, Hepburn. I think that's super, super cross. And Austin did what he does. Flicks it onto the defender's head. He puts it past the... Uh, <laughs> puts it past Glenn Morris. Yeah, it was, it was... It was. That was another moment where my, my... My unreliable eyesight was... You know, it was a stonewall penalty for Ginningham. <laughs> I did see the handball for, for the Swindon one. And, and I was in the mode of, well, he's got to give that. And the first thing I said to Rich next to me was... Was that an own goal? And then Rich was like, no. Good luck getting that one off, Charlie. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I saw the flick to his head as whether it was going to be on target or not. I don't care. And and I completely agree about Hepburn Murphy's cross. It's absolutely perfect. It's exactly why what we need and what we need more of instead of just Hutton. He struggled in this game to get into it. And just that moment was was superb. Uh, it, it, it did feel inevitable. At 3-2, I did feel we were going to get back into this game point or three. Yeah. But it, it wasn't because we were just peppering them. It just felt like they were, like you said, they're happy for us to do our thing. And they left too much of a gap. And well, when you've got when you've got Austin steaming towards you, then you've got to make you've got <laughs> hope for the best, don't you? And, and in it went. Yeah, I, I meant to say this earlier, by the way. Um, my halftime reflections. I was strangely confident we'd get at least a free free. Yes, yes. It didn't feel like a negative game. No, it didn't feel like it. Didn't feel like it in the stands. It didn't feel like it on the pitch. It, it felt like three one was too early for them. Yeah, exactly that. Um, the damage had been done. So early, um, it wasn't a crisis. And actually, doesn't it go to show the difference to a fan base when you know you've got goals in the team? Yeah. And you've got a player like Tolleston. I, I mean, cast your mind back a month or two, say like a Wimbledon at home or something like that. Had we have gone 3-1 down, I think the A, the place would have been toxic. B, I think the style of football wouldn't have changed. Um, I think it would have been patient, possession-based, Lindsay brand football. And yeah, at the top end of the pitch, you wouldn't have had so much faith of being able to go and score two goals and maybe even even win it. But yeah, hopefully now from pitch to stands, that faith in knowing we've got goals in the team, that's gonna that's gonna carry us a long way in those important next 19 games do you think there were many differences i I did you know we we went with a episode title of swindon unshackled (laughs) or unchained and there is this rhetoric that we are liberated somewhat I, i don't necessarily think that's true i think scott Lindsay's swindon would have beat grimsby and i'm not sure whether scott Lindsay's Swindon would have conceded three at home to Ginningham, but it's it's been a it's been a tremendously entertaining two games, which is what we have been lacking at the yes. county ground. And actually, when it is entertaining and it is swashbuckling and there's a great comeback and loads of characters shown, your fan base are going to be so much more forgiving. And and in terms of differences, I think the way we've set up in terms of team for the last two games, we have had an extra attacker on the pitch from the start. So the sort of that front four has replaced the Lindsay front three, which um, you know I always found left that central striker quite quite isolated. Um, yeah, just to have that extra body uh, higher up the pitch, I think I think has added a bit of extra extra zeal. Definitely, it felt like four three Swindon was going to happen because we've got twelve minutes. Ginningham are on the ropes. If you look at any vlogs from Ginningham fans in the stands, they're they're done. You know they yeah. are they are not confident, and we're we're cheering them on. And then, well, after a man of the match performance against Grimsby, and not a terrible performance against Ginningham, Saidu Khan did Saidu Khan things. He didn't need to do what he did, and it resulted in that second yellow. Oh, Saidu, what you like, yeah. You just can't resist a tackle, can you, when you're on a yellow? I do have some sympathy. His first yellow card, which was that kind of 50-50 block tackle, it was one of those strange ones. A bit like, do you remember up at Grimsby? His second yellow up there was, um, yeah, I mean, I was convinced the Grimsby player had fouled him. And his first yellow uh, against Gillingham was kind of similar, you know, 
I'm not sure anyone fouled anyone. It was just a cult, sort of coming together. Um, but yeah, once he's, he's on the king a of the accumulation, though, is yeah. he? He's the king of the accumulation card. If it's not the one that he's got the yellow for, there are three or four, five other moments where the referee could have done it. Yeah, and I was just about to say he had had the kind of last warning, um, sort of five, ten minutes before. Um, maybe if we'd had a bit more on the bench, or maybe if we hadn't used so many subs at half time, then well, we we were done. Yeah, he yeah, couldn't um, come off regardless. We might have brought Sido off, but it just needs a bit more match management brain because you know professional footballers on the opposition know full well you're on a yellow um i suspect there was very little contact at all but just knowing that Sadu khan's running next to you and you hit the deck you are just giving them the opportunity to get a, a man up he'll be a miss at newport too and the I next think. one and the next one this exactly. is his second so, second card. Doncaster, yeah. isn't it next after that a shame a shame can we can we spend just a little moment to congratulate and say fair play to Harrison Minton absolutely his debut um 3-2 down uh, came on because of an injury to Kieran Brennan he was he thought he was coming on a little bit earlier he was he was sat back down and then Brennan felt that he couldn't go on any further so he's come on i imagine this would have been a abu kanu to hold the ball up if we'd equalise sort of thing or going all you know kitchen sink on it if if he was to use that fifth sub during this game so on he comes three two down high pressure town really looking to to equalise but counter-attacks are happening as Saidu Khan uh, tried to uh, try to alleviate and he did bloody well yeah I think I think the standout bits were his football on the floor, actually. It was just the basics, wasn't yeah. it? He did everything. Get the ball, move it on. Get the ball, move it on. Abu Khan, who came on against Grimsby and, and did really well, but you're 4-0 up. You know, there's, yeah. there's no peril. He's coming on at centre-back against some pretty experienced Absolutely. You've got to look who he's players. up against. Yeah. And he didn't do anything stupid. He's involved in the in the Khan send up, sending off because he's the one that puts the tackle in that just goes past. But there's he sees the cover. There's plenty of cover there, so he knows there's there's nothing wrong with that. And there wasn't. He just didn't do anything daft. And we saw that from Dwarzak at Barrow. Kanu did a good job uh, against Grimsby, almost scored, and Minton did it this weekend, which is a really, really good thing. You know, we, we, we can only play under 18 or, or graduates from the under 18s if they're good enough. Mm-hmm. But it's good that they're coming on and they are showing that they're capable. Absolutely. And this is where you see the benefit of Harrison Minton having, what's it, two or three spells now at Chippenham Town in the Conference South. Because whilst the pitches may not be particularly flat and the standard of football may not be wonderful, you know, it's a league where you're going to grow up fast. And one thing, just visually, looking at Minton, he doesn't look like, you know, your sort of skinny whippet academy graduate, which, you know, it, with all due respect, Antoine Dwarzak doesn't look like he's got calves. Whereas Minton looks like a man and he's even got the beard to show it. You know, his his family were buying him Gillette Mac Freeze from age 13, let's face it, right? Um, but no, he did really well. Let's remember in the first half, you know, we had struggled greatly against um, Hawkins. Uh, I think Hawkins tired badly, by the way. And I think Gillingham, as they got deeper and deeper into the match, they got fewer and fewer people up near Hawkins. So even if he did win something, uh, you know, Swindon were actually able to dominate the ball with 10 men. And Minton was a good part of that. Um, kept it simple, like you say. I'm just really chuffed for him. Think about this in terms of timing. You know, you've got your new manager and assistant manager sat in the stands. Um, you've got, you know, Scott Lindsay's just left and I'd heard on the grapevine, you know, I don't, I don't think Minton and Lindsay particularly saw eye to eye. Um, uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, here is another fresh start, clean slate. We well, What's the weakest part of the squad right now? It's probably centre-half, right? You've got Clayton's a week away from getting fit. Brennan's got a big ice pack on his ankle at full time. Blake Tracy's a left back filling in at centre-half. So actually, you've got one of the best academy managers of the last decade in this country, Jody Morris, coming in. What You know, this could be this could be the making of Harrison Minton. If, if he sees men turning training this week, likes what he sees, 
you know, I'm sure he will be brave enough to to put him in. Why not? Yeah, it was just really reassuring to know that he came on, he did what he was obviously told to do, and he did it so calm in in what was a tricky game. Yeah, which which was really good, and and, and a congratulations to him because it was thoroughly deserved and a hectic conclusion. And I think this is where people say, "What a game." Because I think there was plenty of quiet in this for me to not come out and go, wow, that was that was proper League Two football. But when you leave after a little bit of chaos and a little bit of peril, um, it's always it's always a good way to end. So we, we've equalised. We've gone down to 10 men straight after, which is a great shame because I, I do think we 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 would have we would have kicked on possibly. The big problem here though is what Swindon Town fans in the stands wanted our players to do and what our players were capable of doing due to being absolutely knackered were two different things, weren't they? <laughs> yeah. it, well, th- there were two great, great chances. And then one of those great chances, which fell to Hepburn Murphy, pretty much ended his game because he struggled in the minutes that followed. And then Shade, well, I thought he was in. Oh, I, I was up. I, I was, was up. celebrating. Yeah, I was up. <sighs> but yeah, the, the Hepburn Murphy chance. Um, I'm going to take credit for this. Uh, a couple of minutes before, I, I said to my friend, "We just need, we just need one counter. We just need Hepburn Murphy stood on the halfway line, um, because his pace, you know, was the ticket to the win." And um, you know, Lavinia, who, who absolutely left everything out there, he was one of those really struggling at the end. You know, the burst um, from his own edge of his box forward, got the timing of the pass, absolutely spot on to Hepburn Murphy. Hepburn Murphy's touch, the way he drove inside was perfect. But I think on this occasion, you give a lot of credit to Glenn Morris in the Gillingham goal because he made himself really big. Um, Hepburn Murphy went for the near post and... Yeah, what a shame because that was one of two moments where the roof would have absolutely come off. And then the shade chance. Oh, oh God. I that was, that in. was in. That was in. That was in. The, oh! the, the Hepburn Murphy one, I've, I've seen comments that he should have laid it on. I think that's a shot. He's shooting all day long there. I think any um, attacking player would have would have that. And you want him to just lift it, don't you? But yeah, it's far too idealistic to pause that I follow and say, look, Ronan Darcy's there. Come on. He's a centre forward. And Austin shooting and Wakelin shooting. And actually, that little ball to the side isn't easy and it probably gets cut out. So, yeah. yeah. Hepburn maybe on another day, sticks that in the net. Um, crucially, he is looking a really good option for the squad. He, and hopefully it is just cramp at the end. It looked like cramp. Because, you know, another injury now would be the absolute sucker punch for him, bless him. Yeah, I, I do wonder whether he should have started, played an hour, and then maybe someone come on, on for him. Because he played all right in the last, but he might just not been up for it in terms of fitness. You know, it's one of those things. Um, yeah, well, as he showed, you know, 50 minutes, and it was, you know, towards the end, hectic. Um, 50 minutes was the sort of the peak of his mm-hmm. fitness at the moment. So it is a long road back and he's had such a long time out. So we should continue to be patient with him. Yes. But compare absolutely. the way he approached that chant to Tommy Adeloy at Barrow, for example, the contrast in certainty and conviction, because Hepburn Murphy did show a lot of conviction in the way to that chance, even if it was saved, you know, keepers are allowed to, Make good saves. That's life. So no, I, I think we're on to a good one with Rushan. Brilliant guy to have on the bench. You know, it's going to scare teams to death with that pace. So oh, but but Shade didn't score, and that that was in. It was in, but it wasn't in. I, I still don't know how it isn't in because I mean, do you reckon without a deflection that's in? And then even with the deflection, I'm thinking that. Like in that split second in your mind, you're thinking, "Now it's definitely in." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then, and then the, the game sort of ended with Ginningham looking for a winner, and that was very nervy. But in the end, other than there was a little bit of a scramble, wasn't there? Mm-hmm. We we got we didn't get away with it. We we neutralized the threat. 
pretty well and it was 3-3 we've been talking for almost an hour so so probably not going to do listeners contributions today because the general consensus was horror show disaster class (laughs) stuff in the first half and then improvement and just also just that we are being entertained now and that is good and we look forward to seeing what Jody Morris can bring more on Jody Morris in in future episodes man of the match wise it was really really close actually it was a three horse race in third was charlie austin on the purely for the goals vote um lavinia the match the the actual sponsors man of the match he got second place by only just a couple fraser blake tracy and when we consider how much stick and how critical we've been of the defense in this one a worthy man of the match yeah i think you know i'm not going to go against the listeners uh i think Fraser Blake Tracy, amidst that first half, well, not first half, the first 30 minutes formation, he was sort of desperately trying to keep that back three together. And let's not forget, he is a career left back who has shown competency at centre half. So there is still an element of him learning um, centre half to a sort of, you know, proper, proper level. But yeah, actually, he was the one defender we had who could try and compete with Hawkins and as the game went on FBT got on top of that battle um, probably helped by Hawkins tiring and the lack of support higher up the pitch for Hawkins too but you know he did keep that defence together and, and when we went to a back four it was more secure um, Lavinier again just like really excited puppy he just burns himself out every week he's always going down with cramp He's always having one of those like little sugar gels, like desperately getting lobbed across the pitch. Eh? <laughs> but I just, I love his playing style. He's everywhere. Oh, he's good. Even when he knew he was tired, he was still popping up at right back. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think once he's fully fit, think what sort of player we got on our hands then. Yeah. Well, so are we happy to, to go with Blake Tracy as our man of the match then? Oh, I, I think Blake Tracy takes it for the listeners and the pod. Um, I was very surprised in the ground Austin didn't get it um, because, you know, goal scorers scoring goals and people want to meet Charlie Austin. Yeah, exactly. But I'm relieved because that means Fraser Blake Tracy goes joint top on the Lou Reed man of the match spreadsheet <laughs> <laughs> because he goes level with Ben Gladwin. <laughs> oh. So so I'm I'm grateful at this moment in time that a player that will see out the season might win the Lou Reed spreadsheet. Well, you've jinxed it now, haven't you? Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the recall. There comes happening. the Burton recall. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so th- this ends the pod with a little bit of transfer talk because it's it feels like it might be busy, but it might not be. We don't know. There's a lot of rumours swelling around. So what do we know? So we've brought in Charlie Austin. We've brought in Jake Kane. And as the listeners sent me in in, in, in many messages, he looks good. And that, that's, yes. let's hope he keeps that because that was, a, that was a good debut from him. Comfortable with long passes and really ran at them at times too. So that that's great. And Charlie Austin, three goals in two games. Here we go. So brilliant, brilliant stuff. Um, out so far, we've sold Lou Reed to Mansfield, made his debut on the weekend, and we've sold Ben Gladwin to Scott Lindsay's Crawley Town, and he made his debut, got booked um, this weekend too. I think Lou Reed got booked too. It's not hard to be critical, and I'm not going to be critical for the sake of being critical, because I will reserve judgment until the window closes. But I, I am still leaning towards preferring our experienced players who want to stay, (laughs) stay at the club. Um, What are we expecting next? So the big rumour is that Angus MacDonald is on his way. I think the reports are they're just figuring out a fee with Burton Albion, which hopefully might involve us giving that money straight back for Fraser Blake Tracy. Who knows? A few other names swimming around in the, uh, in the potential exits. Tommy Adeloy, which won't be a huge surprise, whether they can ship him out on loan or or sell him on a permanent. He doesn't seem to be anywhere near the squad now. We haven't seen much of Morgan Roberts, so maybe a loan move to National League might be on the cards there. Who knows? Yeah, I think that would be shrewd. 
Yeah, um, and the, the two key names really is Ellis Iandolo and the one that sent shivers down my spine when it was circulating across social media was Johnny Williams, our top scorer. Mm. That And I think what, not, I'm not going to say general consensus is because I'm in echo chambers, but most people are shrugging their shoulders and say only Johnny Williams is an issue here, which I think in the short term isn't the way to look at it. I, I do think there needs to be some level of consistency and just because we're yes. getting rid of players doesn't mean we're not going to bring them in. So I'm really excited to see how the next couple of days unfold. Yeah, I mean, if that's how it plays out and there is a lot of turnover, um, it is a dice roll, right? Because you're effectively kind of going back to that August mentality where a lot of new players are having a gel, a lot of new players are having to get used to a new manager. Um, but you know, with dice rolls, <laughs> you know, they, you could also, you could roll a six, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, um, yeah. you know, you've now got a very headline Academy, well-regarded head coach in Jody Morris. You've got a technical director who has shown a propensity to sign Tom Clayton and Jake Kane type, um, academy slash under 23 well not rejects but like you know players looking to take their first step so i'm sure we will see some talent enter the building the concern that i've seen a lot of people expressing is actually talent brilliant you know youth fantastic resale value absolutely but what you do need is a smattering of angus mcdonald's ben cladwins charlie austin's just to give that spine of the team, just to add that been there, done it character, you know, if we are away to Salford and we're 2 0 down, you know, who's going to stand up and be counted? Um, the McDonald one, I, I'm quite rueful over actually. Um, I think he is a victim of how he was being asked to play. So I think purely as a defender, he is our best defender at the club right now. That's not to say Tom Clayton hasn't got a higher ceiling longer term. Um, and I think he would have enjoyed an aerial battle with with Hawkins yesterday. So it's a real shame that because, um, you know, leaving him out of the squad to make sure he doesn't get injured and we get a fee in the next couple of days did mean... We had a bit of a fudged defence yesterday and we found ourselves 3-1 down, which is is no coincidence. But certainly, I want to see centre-half recruitment as an absolute priority because if McDonald goes, you know, I think we've been quite kind to Brennan on this pod today because I forgot to mention a moment at the end of the first half where he tried to come waltzing out of defence, <laughs> lost the ball, and Fraser Blake Tracy, part of the reason he was man of the match, I suppose, you know, it's absolutely good. spared his blushes with a fantastic... Some wonderful hand gestures from yes. Kieran Brennan in the aftermath of that, going, yep, 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 yep. But yeah, if Brennan is anything but a backup, you know, that's, that's going to hamstring the rest of the season, aren't I don't mean to be mean, that's just what well, I've seen. Well, he had Brennan. improved, hadn't he? He had improved from <sighs> a shaky start. Yeah. And and now is the time again. Jody Morris is in the building watching you. You know, that that's not probably how he would have liked it to, to play out. But it did. And, and that's that. The one part of this game which I really enjoyed... Um, but I haven't mentioned that we'll close on was the penalty by Charlie Austin. Firstly, that people thought Jake Wakeling was trying to take the penalty where mm-hmm. he was just doing the age old, I'm holding on to it so people don't go to Charlie Austin. To The most satisfying moment or the fact that Charlie Austin scored other than he scored was ex-Oxford Alex MacDonald in his ear just before he was taking it and still scoring. Have some of that, Alex <laughs> MacDonald. He was part of that Maguire team, so yeah, he's kind of little fat, poor man's Maguire, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sit down, Alex McDonald. Um, that that'll <laughs> do. So we'll have a bonus pod in the coming days. Are you excited, Dan? Uh, well, yeah. Let's can't wait to find out who the manager is. Give him a big welcome. <laughs> let's remind ourselves uh, amongst all this 
backdrop of you know, transfer deadline days and new managers. Actually, 31st of January, all being well, um, the transaction to purchase the county ground from Swindon Council Ooh. will be going ahead. And that is another key foundational step, which will probably get lost amongst you know the, the Jody Morris press conference and, uh, you know, Ben Gladwin replacements and, oh God, Angus McDonald's gone. But yeah, it shouldn't be lost. You know, that is another really key building building stone uh, to, the, to the future of the club. So yeah, big 48 hours and I look forward to, you know, sweating and agonising and, you know, Googling new players that I've not heard of. You know, it's all the fun part, right? Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to end on on the spiteful comment about Alex McDonald. You've gone with the historic ownership of the grounds. I don't can't think of a better way of ending. Dan, thank you very much. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> The Lone Strangers is an independent supporters podcast. Views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club or their official partners. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork was designed by Matt in Singapore. What a guy. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Has a bubble. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.